lives are on a path that is headed somewhere. Unless we have the right vision, we won't be able to reach our destiny. Today, Pastor Dale will be helping us to have the right vision. This message is the second in the series, Turning Point. The message is entitled, Correct Your Vision. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I'm excited about God's Word today. How about you? Aren't you excited to study God's Word together and grab your Bibles and your teaching sheets? And maybe if you're using your mobile devices, you can also use those as well. The information there on the bottom section of your notes where you can actually go to mobile devices and find the notes as well. We started last week in a series of messages for the new year called Turning Points. We're talking about how God is turning our lives in new and fresh ways, I believe, in 2013. That we're making a date with history, a date when you and I are making some choices, some decisions that result in some decisive moments in our life that will turn our lives in a better direction. That is a turning point to a better life. And turning points to better lives actually revolve around decisions that we make. And every person here right now, whether you realize it or not, you're already on some kind of path with your life. You're going somewhere. Now, where you're going may be simply an accident because you're not purposely thinking about where you're going. Unintentionally, you're going to end up somewhere because anytime you get on any road, you end up somewhere. And so the wisest choice in life is not just to get on some road somewhere and not pay attention to where you're going, but to actually determine what road am I going to get on with my life. And in this new year, 2013, what will be the path that I will take? See, a life path is never forced on anyone. You make a choice. You make choices along your life journey as to terms of what road you'll be on in life. In fact, Jesus said there are two main roads, the wide road that leads to destruction and the narrow road that leads to life. And you and I make choices along the way, and there are really five or six different areas where we make choices in our lives that will determine where we end up. And I've listed those there on your notes for you. First of all, we make choices about our attitudes. How you think about yourself and how you think about God and how you think about other people will determine where where you end up in life. Attitude matters, amen? Your attitude makes a difference, a big difference. Not only will your attitudes matter and the choices you make regarding your attitudes, and by the way, you're in control of your attitudes, whether you realize it or not, you can control what your attitudes are. Second of all would be your values and priorities. What you value in life, what you make as a priority will determine where you end up. If you value material things, you will spend all your energy going after material things at the expense of spiritual things. Or if you value any dimension of life, whatever it is you value will determine the course of life that you choose. Thirdly, your actions, what you you do. And all of us do things. We have behaviors that are part of life and our behaviors will affect where, where we end up and also our neglected actions, what we fail to do. Things that we ought to do that we didn't do, those things impact where you end up in life. And then our level of engagement, how much you engage with life. Think about it in this realm. And you're, as a parent, if you really engage with your children as you need to engage with them, you're more likely to raise children that are going to honor God and honor you. And if you disengage yourself from them, then they're going to sort of be left on their own to decide where they end up in life themselves. And so how you engage or disengage will determine what ends up being your life, how you will define your destiny. And the last one I've mentioned here would be your associations. Who you hang around with makes a lot of difference in life, right? Because if you hang around with turkeys, you're going to be a turkey. If you hang around with eagles, you'll learn to fly like the eagles. You'll learn something from the people you hang around with. So all of these things are choices. You and I, listen closely, you and I make choices every day about our attitudes. We make choices every day about our values and priorities. We make choices every day about our actions, what we do or don't do. 
our neglected actions, what we engage in, what we don't engage in. We make decisions every day about who we will associate or fail to associate with in life. And all those things determine where you end up. Now, all of what I've just described for you, all of these things are connected to what I want to bring under one heading today. It's called vision. And I want to talk to you about correcting your vision because if your vision, your spiritual vision is not right, your attitudes will not be right, your values will not be right, all these things that I've just described. And the Bible is very big on teaching us about vision, spiritual vision. Vision is the ability to see what you need to see so that you can be who God wants you to be so that you can do what God wants you to do. Let me say that again. Vision is the ability to clearly see who God wants you to be so that you can do what God wants you to do, become that person and fulfill the destiny that he has for your life. And all through scripture, we see people who encountered God and they had a turning point when their vision was changed. Everything changed when their vision was changed. I'm going to take you to one example of this in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. It's a great story about the prophet Isaiah and how he experiences an incredible turning point with God because of a transformation of vision, how he had his vision corrected and how God through that changed the course of Isaiah's life. Isaiah chapter 6 beginning in verse number 1. In the year, important phrase there, that King Uzziah died, I, what's the next word there? Saw. Vision. I had a vision. I saw the Lord. Seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, or woe is me, one translation says, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my, what's the next word there? Eyes. I saw my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, there's the word again, see, vision, have vision. This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Now, here in this situation, as we're going to see, we're looking at a very specific man whose name was Isaiah. What we know about Isaiah is that Isaiah was a, a prestigious man, most likely. He was a man that had access to kings during his day. He was a man that was likely highly successful and highly educated. Again, he's hanging out with the kings. And the Bible teaches us and tells us here in this passage, actually verse number one, that there was a specific time in history when Isaiah had an encounter with God. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died. There was a moment on the calendar that they could go back to and say it was in that year, I, I, it was on that calendar date that I had an encounter with God. A specific man, a specific time in history, and there was a specific event that transpired. What is the event? God brings Isaiah into this visionary experience. He sees God in his royal, in his royal royalty, his royal robes filling the temple, and the angels crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and he sees this vision, but he doesn't just see a vision of God and his holiness, he also catches a vision, a glimpse of himself, so his eyes are opened in that moment to see at least two things, number one, how holy God was, and number two, how unholy he was, those things are important, because he did not realize this to this point in time, because he says, as soon as he sees it, he says, 
Woe! Woe is me. Oh my goodness, I, I've never seen this before in my life. I've never realized that God is awesome and God is holy and God is amazingly righteous. And look at me, I now see that I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. He saw something about God he had never seen before and he saw something about himself that he'd never seen before as well. It was in that moment out of this vision that he's able to experience the cleansing of God's touch of fire upon his lips and upon his life. And then God says, who can I send now to minister for me? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Why? Because he was prepared. And I would submit to you today, had Isaiah not had that visionary encounter with God, he would have never become the prophet that he became. I'm going to submit to you today that if you don't have some visionary experiences with God, if God doesn't change the vision in your life, you will never become all that God wants you to be. You'll never fulfill the full destiny that he's planned for you. And so I'm praying that 2013 will be a visionary year for your life. Amen? That you'll begin to see some vision. Now, when I say that, most people think, vision, oh, fantastic, so great. No, Isaiah was cut to the core of his being because he realized how awesome again God was and how far away from God he was. It was a moment of transformation. I want to share with you for the next few moments some things that will help you and I to kind of increase our vision, correct our vision for a new year. The first thing we must understand is that good vision is a key to a great future. Good vision is your key to a great future. One of the keys for you finding the future God has planned for you. Now, in our nation, uh, perhaps around the world, I don't know for sure, but certainly in our nation, we, when you are checked for eyesight, you're checked on something called the 2020 scale, right? 2020 metric. And uh, ophthalmologists, optometrists have come up with this scale, and basically this, what it means is this, 20 feet away from the famous eye chart. I mean, you know the famous eye chart, right? When you're standing approximately 20 feet away from the famous eye chart, you have 20-20 vision if you can see what most normal people see at 20 feet away. So in other words, if you're seeing what most folks see 20 feet away from the eye chart, you're considered to have 20-20 vision. Now, if you have 20-100 vision, it means that at 20 feet, you're seeing what most people see at 100 feet. That's bad. If you have 2200 vision, it means that you're seeing at 20 feet what most people see at 200 feet. Think about that. So that's how they measure how effectively or how what we call vision acuity or vision sharpness. And one of the ways that doctors measure your health is by taking a look at your eyesight. Because eyesight not only measures uh, something about your capacity to see or read or function in that regard, but sometimes it's indicative of other problems that you have in your life as well. And so they're quite concerned along the way about how your vision is and different things related to that. So what I want you to see is that you and I, our health at some level is affected by and our future is affected by how we see. Now, all through the scriptures, especially you're going to see in the ministry of Jesus, one of the things that he does over and over again is he heals people that are blind. You know the stories all through the Bible how Jesus was always welcoming the blind to him and touching their eyes and seeing. Why? Because blind folks got a whole lot of hope when they saw Jesus. Blind folks realize, you know, I've never been able to see like I ought to see. I've always been disabled in this area of my life, but I've heard about this Jesus and somebody tells me that he's nearby. Can I help, can somebody help me find my way to him because he's the vision expert. Jesus is the holy ophthalmologist. 
And so when they got in the presence of Jesus and cried out over and over again, you see how he brought about healing. In fact, Jesus often not only taught, or excuse me, healed people, but he taught us about the value of our spiritual vision. Let me take you to Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse number 13. Let's see what Jesus said about your sight, how your sight affects your future. This is why I speak to them in parables. Let me stop there for a moment. He was talking about the religious leaders of Israel during his day. He says he's, descri- he's explaining this to the disciples, why he talks to them in stories rather than in straight up truth because they couldn't grasp it. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused or hard. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes otherwise they might see with their ears excuse he with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them but read the rest with me but blessed are you blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear let's read that again but blessed are you your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear one little thing I want to draw out of this a lot of things we could look at here from this passage but what I want you to see is that your ability capacity spiritually to see have the right vision will determine how blessed you are with your life he said you'll be blessed if your eyes can see so would you agree that's important right Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 7 this whole issue related to our vision. He's telling us we all have some spiritual vision problems. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will, what's the next word? See, say it with me, see, see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus said, everybody has a vision problem. And it shows up like this. You have the capacity and, and the, the desire as well to see the faults of other people more effectively than you see your own. That's called a vision problem, right? I'll prove it to you. If you're married here today, if I were to hand out pieces of paper and tell you to write down all the faults of your mate, some of you be asking for extra paper. Because you can see all those things that they need to change. If I gave you a piece, another piece of paper and said, now write down all your own faults. You would say, well, I don't know, maybe there are a couple things I could work on. I'm really a, a nice person. Jesus said it's called a vision problem. We see what's going on in somebody else and we want to point the finger at somebody else and see all those issues, but we are blinded to ourselves. See, that was exactly what Isaiah str- struggled with. He couldn't see his own life, his own issues. And so because of that, God said, I want to show you how holy I am, how unholy you are. Jesus said, if you want to be blessed, you have to learn how to see spiritually the right way. Here's my second point. Very important point. Hell works hard to rob, reduce, and distort our vision. Let me say that again. Because vision is so important in your life, hell, the forces of hell, work very hard to try to rob from us, reduce in us, and distort our vision. Why? Satan 
understands the power of spiritual vision. And because Satan understands the power of spiritual vision, he always goes after your vision. He wants to pluck your eyes out. He wants to blind you. He wants to distort to you different perspectives of things in life because if he can change your vision, he has you exactly where he wants you to be. I will again submit to you that if your vision is not right, you're not going to have very good attitudes. Your attitudes will be rotten. If your vision's not right, you're going to have the wrong values and priorities. If your vision's not right, you're not going to be doing the right things. You're going to fail to do the things you ought to be doing. You'll hang out with the wrong people. Your life will go south quickly if you don't have the right vision. Bad vision causes bad decisions. That was a good point for an amen. Now, I believe that one of the ways Satan does this is that Satan orchestrates your life. Now, he tries to at least. Now, we as believers are seeking to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, obedience to God's word, but we still face an an enemy, a spiritual foe. The Bible says of Satan in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 that he, as the devil, goes around like a roaring lion seeking for whom he may devour. So you must understand there is a strategy against you and me from hell. And Satan loves to try to orchestrate things in your life and my life, orchestrate environments, orchestrate influences, orchestrate our perceptions of things so that he messes with your vision. He loves to mess with your vision. He loves to mess with what you're seeing. Let me share with you four ways that Satan messes with people's vision. You'd like to know these four ways, ways, ways Satan messes with your vision? Number one, he messes with your vision by giving you visions of grandeur. He makes you think that you're more important than you really are. That's why the scripture reminds us, let him who stands take heed lest he falls. Don't think of yourself more highly than you are. Why are those verses in the Bible? Because Satan loves to come along and sort of paint a picture in your mind that you're really more important than you really are. The opposite of that is that Satan loves to come along. If he can't get you with that one, he'll come along and give you images of your insignificance. Not, you're not just greater. Now you're less than anybody else. And so you're living this life of insecurity and insignificance. So he takes you to both extremes, the grandeur or the insignificance. I'll tell you a third way that, that Satan toys with people. This is important. Listen closely. He toys with people by trying to plant in people's minds fantasies that ignore realities. He loves to build fantasies in your, in your mind that, that you begin to pursue that will detour you from his perfect will, for God, from God's perfect will for your life, or to somehow bring you into disobedience. Every person that I've ever talked to that has gotten into major sin in their life started out with some kind of fantasy in their head. This fantasy is, well, my life would be better if I had a different husband. My wife would be better if I had a different wife. I'm not really happy where I'm at right now. And Satan comes along and begins to plant a fantasy in your mind. It's not real. It's not the real deal. It's a fantasy. And then you go just toying off after that little vision. And before long, he has you right in the trap. And there are a lot of Christians that caught all kinds of fantasies that ignore realities. See, God deals in reality, amen? God is the God of truth, not the God of fantasy. He's the God of truth. And there's a fourth way, by giving you the wrong focus. Satan loves to mess with your focus. And one of the ways he messes with your focus is by making you unfocused. That was brilliant, wasn't it? He does that by getting you busy with all kinds of things in life, by trying to pull you in this direction and that direction. Why? Because when you're running 
around like a chicken with her head cut off, you're going nowhere. You're making no progress with life. And so if Satan can't make you bad, one person said, he'll make you busy. If Satan can't get you through visions of grandeur or images of insignificance or these fantasies that ignore realities, he'll come along and just dilute your life in such a way that you're, you're pursuing all these different things. Well, pastor, I'm just a great multitasker. No, you're not. You're just unfocused. And any, any person realizes that the greatest impact that you'll ever make in life is when you begin to be focused. So Satan loves to mess with your vision. Hell's forces will try to come and tamper with, affect, and afflict you. Let's go to our third point together. We need to have our vision tested. Say that word with me. Tested. Tested. How is your spiritual vision? Really, how is it? And how would you ever know how your spiritual vision really is? The only way you'll know is to have it, have it tested. When I was a, a kid, I don't remember exactly what age I was, but somewhere through the process, I'm assuming, of school, the, 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 the eye test at school, they found out that I could not see as well as I should, and so uh, they sent me to the, to the eye doctor, and I came away as a kid with glasses. And so I was one of those kids that grew up wearing glasses. And any other kids out there, Come on, let's create our, our camaraderie here. Amen, right? Okay, we're a good group, right? So, and of course, when I first started wearing glasses as a kid, I, I didn't really feel so excited about that. But over time, I was kind of happy because I could actually see stuff again. It was pretty nice because even though I, had not been, I didn't realize I had the problem, it was only through the testing that I realized, you know what, there are a lot of things in life I'd been missing out on. And it was only through testing that I was able to come to the point of realizing that now I need something in my life that will help me to see what I can't, haven't been seeing and that I need to see. Let me talk to you about how to have your vision tested. I'm going to give you a little bit of a vision testing, spiritual vision testing this morning by using the four basic things that you see in the natural realm, bringing them into the spiritual realm. Now, when eye doctors test you, they test for four things. They test for nearsightedness, farsightedness, astigmatism, and then a whole realm of eye disease, okay, various eye diseases that kind of come under one category, all right? So nearsighted, what is that? You can see near, but you can't see far away. Near up, everything's nice and clear, but the long-term, long-range vision, far-off vision, really blurry to you. Farsighted as you can see far away, but you can't see stuff close up. It's what happens to you at about 40 years of age when your glasses go from here to here. Right? You know what I'm talking about? At about 40, that's what happens. Now, you say, some of your younger folks say, that's never going to happen to me. You just wait and see, okay? It's going to happen to you, okay? Because something happens with the shape of your eyeball, and there's this transformation over age that occurs, and so you got to have some help along the way. And so, not shortly after I turned 40, I realized that something, I, you know, my, my, my Bible was not reading as like it used to read, Okay? So I go back to the doctor and they say, you know, you need some bifocals. Well, I don't want bifocals. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Mr. O'Shields, you, you need bifocals. Are there any other alternatives? And thank God for progressive lens. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> Anybody out there with me on that one? Okay. Somebody said, what is progressive lens? That's for us to know and you to find out. Okay. okay. It'll be a happy day if you're over 40 when you discover what those are. 
But the point is, is that these are, all, these are issues of your eyesight, astigmatism. You can't see anything. Everything's pretty much blurry because there's the shape of your eye that's messed up and then all kind of eye diseases. Let's put this into perspective of our spiritual eyes. Talk about, if you will, nearsight or short-sightedness. When you can see near up, but you can't see far away. As you can see stuff that's going on day by day, but you, don't, you never really think much about where those things are leading. You're not looking at long-term consequences for your life. And there are a lot of people that live that way. They don't see really long-term consequences. Or maybe you're farsighted. You, you really can't see, you're not paying attention to the details of your life that will lead you where you need to be in your future. And so you're not really focusing in in a capable way to the things that are important for you to do right now in your life because today's details will determine tomorrow's blessing or curse in your life. Amen? Or maybe your eyesight is totally messed up. Maybe there's sort of a blindness, a blurriness to your entire vision or some kind of disease that's there. But the question is, how is your vision? You can't know how to, how to address vision until you do some testing of it. Isaiah had his vision tested. There was that day in the year that King Uzziah died that God said, Isaiah, you're coming to the ophthalmologist's office. I'm going to show you something you've never seen before. Your vision is going to be tested. You're going to see that you haven't been seeing things like I wanted you to see them. And now we're going to make some adjustments in your life. And that leads me to my fourth and final point that we need to have our vision corrected. Amen? Are you all tracking with me today? Yes. Do you want a turning point in your life? Yes. If you want a turning point in your life, your vision has to be different than what it is right now. If your vision is not adjusted about your life, you're never going to turn. Isaiah would have never turned to become the person that he became had his vision not been properly corrected, adjusted. Let me share with you what the Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse number 18. The first part of that, where there is no vision from God, the people run wild. If you don't have vision, the right kind of vision in your life, you're just going to run all kind of directions. And I'll tell you, so you're going to run into things you shouldn't run into. You're going to have a lot of accidents in your life. You're going to actually miss some information you need along the way. There are a lot of people that don't have good spiritual vision, and they're missing all kind of information God's trying to give them about their life and their family and stuff they need to be aware of, and they're missing it. Why? Because they're not seeing anything at all. Or sometimes they actually misunderstand the information. I have people sometimes that come to me and say, well, God told me to do such and such. Well, God never told them to do such and such. Satan is trying to pull them away by a distraction of their vision and so there's misinterpretation so if you can't if you can't see well you're going to misinterpret signs along the way right all kind of stuff that can happen in your life you won't develop like you need to develop your eyes will be strained you'll have if you will spiritual problems in your life and so how is our vision corrected let me share with you several ways actually six ways that you can adjust or correct your vision so pay close attention as we walk through these very quickly this morning first of all you need to fear the consequences of poor vision you ought to be afraid of not having your vision corrected if you have poor eyesight, do not, do not, do not, do not get in your car and drive without your glasses. Why? Because there are consequences that come. You can have accidents that damage you, hurt you, hurt other people. So you ought to fear the consequences of not putting your glasses on when you drive the car. 
In the same way, driving our life, if you will, heading down the journey of life, we ought to be afraid of not having our vision adjusted. That's why we ought to go to God, and we're going to talk more about that in a moment, saying, God, i got to have my vision helped here because I don't want to bump into stuff I shouldn't bump into. I don't want to miss stuff that I should, shouldn't, should be get, understanding. I don't want to misinterpret things that I, I should be understanding in a different way. I, I'm afraid, God, of not having the right vision. Number two, be aware of your vision problems. Know what your problems are. Are you spiritually nearsighted? Are you spiritually farsighted? Are you spiritually blind? Are you spiritually astigmatic? Are you have some spiritual eye issues? What's going on with you? Do you know what your problems are? Think about them. And this leads to the, th- to the next one. Reshape your lens. Because most vision problems are a shaping of the lens problem. How your lens have been shaped or are shaped. You say, well, how, what do you mean, pastor? Reshape your lens. It's extremely easy to do. And actually, you're doing it right now. The way that you shape your lens into a God-shaped lens so that you can see the world the way God wants you to see the world is by letting this book called the Bible reshape the way you view life. Amen? See, if you don't let this book get in you and you don't live out, seek to live out this book in the power of the Holy Spirit, let these words really get inside of you, I'll tell you what, you'll be, you'll, your vision will be just like the world around us. It'll be just like those that don't know God. And by the way, there are a lot of Christians today that say they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, but they think like the world, they act like the world, they go to the same places the world goes to, they do the same things the world will do. Why? Because they don't have vision. They haven't gotten their vision adjusted from the Bible. But you get into this book and it starts shaping the way you see things. You'll start seeing the world a whole lot different when this book becomes a part of you. Amen? So how do you reshape your vision? That's why it's important to be in church like you are. That's why it's important to be in the Bible. That's why it's important to be in, uh, in, in our, our midweek service if you can. It's important to be in a life group. Whatever way you can get the Word of God in you, get it in you. Why? Because it's addressing your vision problem. The fourth thing is practice some new patterns. I'll explain what I mean by that. If you're nearsighted, it means that you can see things near up but you can't see things far away now let's bring that into the spiritual realm if you're spiritually nearsighted what kind of sight do you need to develop the ability to see far away right so what do you do? You begin to say, you know, I've got a problem in my life. I know that my tendency is to be nearsighted. My tendency is to be short-sighted. So I'm going to purposefully, when I'm looking at decisions, purposefully when I'm making, trying to make some choices in my life, I know how I am. I tend to just look at the stuff that's right in front of me and I don't think about where it's going to end in the future and what the consequences are. But I, this year, am going to make a decision if, for example, if you're spiritually nearsighted, to say, you know, every time I make a decision, I'm going to try, I'm going to force myself to think about some things I don't normally think about. I'm going to think, what's this going to do to me in two years? What's this going to do to me in five years? What will this do to my life in 10 years? See, you're forcing yourself into a new pattern of thinking and a new pattern of sight and vision for your life. And by the way, you can do that. It's called a discipline of your spiritual life, but it's something that you and I need to apply. Why? Because we want to be healthy and we want to be blessed. Number five, ask people with better vision to help you. Amen. If you can't see, for Pete's sake, find somebody that can and hang around with them. 
If you're spiritually blind, if you're spiritually nearsighted, spiritually farsighted, find someone that can see better than you can and let them teach you something about vision from their life experience, from their walk with God. Hang around. Get with the people that will improve your vision. And by the way, get away from the people that are hurting your vision. Amen? If there's somebody in your life that's making you more nearsighted than you already are, or more farsighted than you already are, more blind than you already are, then make a decision. Those are not the folks I'm going to hang around with this year. I'm making a decision to be with some people that will increase my capacity to see as I need to see. And then finally, pray for God's help. Say it with me. Pray for God's help. Ask God, God, I am asking you that just like you came to Isaiah and there was that day in the year that King Uzziah died, I'm praying that 2013 will be the year that I will come into your presence and I will see the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filling the temple and the angels crying holy, holy, holy and then suddenly I'm going to see some things that I need to see not only God about you but about me and I thank you that when I see them that God you're going to help me to deal with them and address them and go forward with my life and become the person that you've ordained me to be because I see like you want me to see so that I can be who you want me to be so that I can do what you you want me to do. Amen? Our prayer, open our eyes, oh God. Say it with me. Open our eyes, oh God. Now close your eyes and just pray that. Open my eyes, oh God. Pray it together. Open my eyes, oh God. And Lord, that is our prayer today as we think about a new year and a turning point for our lives. We know that for our lives to turn as they need to turn. We need new vision. I pray that in our lives where our, our vision has been assaulted by the adversary, distorted, where we've allowed visions of grandeur or images of insignificance, fantasies that we've built in our minds that are not based in the realities that you have for us. Whatever may be there in our lives, we pray this morning in the name of Jesus that you would heal us of those things. Lord, you are the great eye doctor. You're the great doctor of, of restoration of sight. And I pray for your people today that this would be a day, a year, a season of new vision. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words. Say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those, and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands.
If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.